Welcome to the Lead Volunteers Podcast. I am your host, Josh Denhart. The Lead Volunteers Podcast exists to help you, the ministry leader, get organized, stop the revolving door of volunteers, and prevent ministry burnout. This podcast is a production of the leadministry.com suite of resources, which includes our flagship course, Lead Volunteers, how to recruit, train, and retain volunteers. Let's jump into the podcast. Hey, everybody. Super grateful that you've joined us today on the podcast. All right. So we have a good friend of mine, Brian Eno. Brian has been a pastor for years. He's been a district kind of leader uh, out in Oregon and in the Pacific Northwest for years. He's now kind of an executive pastor. And boy, you know what? He's just an all-around good dude. So we're grateful that that Brian's going to be with us. But before we do, I want to say thank you again for listening to the podcast. Maybe you don't know this, but we do have these episodes, or at least some of them, up on Facebook. If you go to Josh Denhart is the is the channel, and you can check those out. Lead Ministry Live is what we call those. But Mr. Brian, grateful that you're here. How's it going, man? It's going really good out here in the Pacific Northwest. It's out, a little rainy. little rainy, but I'll tell you what, it's one of my favorite places to visit, to go do events, to go do speaking stuff. I love the Pacific Northwest. Well, it's beautiful. It is beautiful. So give us just a little rundown. Uh, you and I have uh, some history doing live events together. Uh, when I was out there doing a live event, we did kind of a leadership track for some of your people, a real brief leadership track. Um, tell us your history just a little bit. Well, we started out in youth ministries, like many people do, you know, in Southern California and doing a little bit more than youth ministries. Then we moved to Oregon and we served as associate pastors overseeing youth and kids, focusing mainly on the youth side, but working heavily with the kids. My wife did did a lot of ministry there. Then we moved to our, as you mentioned, our our network uh, with with our denomination. And we served there for 12 years. That's a long time. That is a long time, yeah. And how many, how many churches were, and how many individuals or how many churches were you serving? Because you were kind of the big dog on that for a while. We were serving about 188 churches at the time. And uh, about 70, maybe 70 full-time youth pastors and maybe 40 full-time kids pastors, somewhere yeah. in that range. And then mainly working with leaders at that time and then putting on some events, which you mentioned that you participated in. Yeah, yeah those were fun. And so then... Uh, when I reached out, you said, hey, I've transitioned. And so you're, you've you've turned that side into something you're doing now, which really does feed into what we're talking about today. Yeah. Well, yeah. After all those years in, in, in youth and kids ministries, we did join a church right before uh, COVID hit. Yep. So it would have been t- early 20, 2020. I think we started here. We said yes in March and came in April, I guess is the best way to say that. Yes. So right at the same time. So we've been here almost three years. And you're an executive pastor of a rather large staff. And so you do a lot of like getting into the, like a lot of staff report to you. So you're in their world, you're helping them and, and they have some pretty common questions, which we're going to tackle a little bit today. So the title of today's podcast is making the most of your time. And if you are in a ministry context, or if you're not in a ministry context, this is the thing that kind of tops the charts in terms of what people are thinking. Is that what you found as well, is that people are concerned about time management and stuff? I've learned anytime I'm coaching someone or working with someone, that seems to be the number one 
requests that they have, it, it will often come out with a question like, how do I get more time in my day? Right. Which is the first question that I have for you today, uh, which is, well, before we get there, of course, everybody who listens to the podcast knows we kind of follow these three kind of pathways here. First of all, let's define it. Second, let's develop it. And third, like you're going to kind of encourage us, how would we go ahead with what you've shared, put boots on the ground, pedal to the metal and make this happen? So, of course, the first thing is, how can I find more time in, I, in my week? I mean, if, if you can help me extract more time or to make more time, you've been the hero today. Well, I, as I, that's what I tell people. I said, you know, it, no one gets more time. Everybody gets the same 168 hours in a week. Right. So it's kind of a, it's kind of a trick question when I ask how can I find more time in I in my week. The answer is you can't. It, exactly, you can't. You get the same 168 hours every week. You get the same, you know, 8,000 plus hours a year. No one gets more. No one gets less unless they get promoted to go home. So <laughs> right, and then it's over. Then time is irrelevant at that point, right? Exactly. Yep. So I think the better question I like to tell people is. Who's the owner of your time? Okay, so that brings us to part two. To, that question yeah. to Who's develop it, who owns my time? Or who, yeah, that's a that's a, a, a deeper question because since you can't get more, you gotta you gotta kind of turn the tables a little bit. Okay, take us away with this one. Exactly. So the secret to good time management is to be a good steward, is what I tell people, and mm -hmm. stewardship's ability to properly manage what's in, been entrusted to you. Right. So I think as a as a follower of Christ. My time belongs to him. He's sure. the one who gives me my time. And as a Jesus follower, everything I possess, including my time, belongs to him. Um, you know, there's a verse I, I, I love that I'll share. It's out of Ephesians. It's what Paul wrote. And let me read it to you. He wrote, he read this, he wrote this in Ephesians 5, verses mm -hmm. 15 and 16. He said, therefore, therefore, be careful how you walk, not as, I, as on wise men, but as wise, making the most of your time. Right. Right. So we're to make the most of our time. And I think I think a lot of people have a pretty strong handle on the idea of being a good steward of their finances. Yeah. I, I think that that's a pretty common one. Like they understand their finances and that they have been entrusted to that. You know, I think that's probably like a 101, maybe 201 Christian principle. You're like, oh, wow. I, you know, become a Christian. I read the Bible. I, I start figuring out, you know, some different aspects of the Christian life. But before too long, people figure out if they're in the Bible and they're in church that that your money is a gift to you. But I think it's another layer, and another. I think it's more of a three hundred one learning to understand that your time is also a gift that you need to steward. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You're exactly right. And I, I think that I think that it's a, a, a like a third tier learning. I think that it takes a little bit longer for people to realize that they're that they're stewarding time that way. Okay, well, help us out here. How do I make that happen? How do you make that? Well, I think that first thing is you make Jesus the Lord of your time. Okay. If he if he truly owns your time, he's the one who gives you the 168 hours every every week. Then he needs to be the Lord of your time. And the way I understand that, Josh, is the way I look at it is that Jesus gave us his great commandment, which is to love him yep. and love our neighbor. Yeah. And Jesus gave us the, the, the great commission, which is to go into all the world and to build his kingdom. 
So I try to keep those two things in, in mind when I'm preparing and how I want to use my time every, every day and every week. I think those two greats need to be at the very top of how I spend my time. So in other words, when you're starting your day or maybe you are making a list of how you're going to manage yourself the next day, that's mm -hmm. the filter or that's the grid or the sunglasses, so to speak, that you're looking through are the two great commandments. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think if, if he's the Lord of your time, then his two greats need to be your top priority. That lens that you look through, that you plan your week out, your day out, um, your year out. Yes. And, you know, those two greats, of course, the, the first one is uh, love the Lord and love people. And the second one is go and make disciples. And so that that should be the benchmark of the totality of what we're doing. And, you know, I, I don't think that I've ever thought about it like that in terms of examining what I'm doing. How am I loving God and loving people? Is is my time being spent toward that or and or am I furthering the mission of the church and of the cross, how, right. how does my time match up with that? And I got to say, I got to say, uh, you know, being real, mindlessly flipping through social media with a whole bunch of people that I really don't know is not really an effective use of my time. Most of, most of the time it is not. <laughs> okay, so making, making Jesus the Lord of your time for me, I think the big takeaway here, quite honestly, is just to polish my lenses a little bit more and to think about those, because those are the those are the two big things at the end of my life that are going to be placed on the scales and either be found wanting or I'm going to hear, well done. And so to look at those things, loving God, loving people, and how am I moving forward the mission? At, like, look at my, my, my time through that lens. That's fantastic. Anything else on this particular one about how you personally manage this? No, I, that, I, I try to, when I'm planning my week, I, I try to look at life as a week. So 168 hours, we'll get into that in a few minutes. But, okay. um, but, but yeah, so I try to look at that through that lens. Through those okay, two. very good. Now, I, I as we were pre preparing for this, you threw out here one of the big things for you and one of the ways that you teach and educate others who are under your leadership or who are looking to you for coaching and life coaching, you say this uh, Gordon McDonald's Four Laws of Unseized Time. Now, this is a new one for me, so I'm all ears. Well, there, he, he gives four laws, four laws to, to, to so that your, your time doesn't get wasted, like okay. we just discussed a minute ago. And here they are. Uh, unseized time flows towards our weakness. So we tend to... When we don't have our time our time ordered, we don't order our day, we tend to flip through that scroll like you were talking about. It tends it flows to our weakness. The things that aren't important in our life, the things that maybe we're weak weak at there, we're not we're not um, we're not talented in. So sure. we spend a lot of time trying to do things that, that we're not good at and maybe that's not where we should be using our time. And I would say that it's it's kinda like our our lowest default setting i mean what's this neutral when you aren't when you don't have it in gear and gears of course are you know, you've got some good healthy friction there and you're going to be moving forward but that neutral zone are that's that's the danger spot really and we're going to default to that that neutral zone exactly for so me second well before okay. you go to the second one i would say that the, the the default for me often is taking a big old nap in ap 
And I'm not afraid of naps. Don't don't hear me knocking naps. But but that can you're a napper. Is that a power nap? It's good for everyone every once in a while. Yes, it is. But but it can be it can be something that you dip to, and that can be a colossal waste of time. What's your biggest time waster? Where do you go when you hit neutral? Probably sit down in front of the TV and start watching, and before you know it, I've wasted two or three hours. <laughs> and again, there's 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 health to unplugging a little bit, but uh, you got to be careful though. Okay, give us the next one. Unseized time comes under the influence of dominant people in your life. This is a really important one because what I've discovered is if you don't order your day, someone else will order it and it won't be the way you want it ordered. Yes, yes. I, I think that that's true. Uh, in other words, there are people who we find in our lives who, will, who, who really know where they're going and they are seeking to maximize their time and their eyes find people and it's almost as if they say, hey, I want to let you know God's will for your life, <laughs> right? And they're, they're so eager to maximize their time that they're willing to enlist or command or demand somebody to help them accomplish their stuff. Yeah, you're right. And uh, the interesting thing for me um, is there's a proverb that comes to my mind. Uh, the slack hand will be put to forced labor, but the diligent, the hand of the diligent will rule. So the mm. slack hand some will be put to forced labor. Somebody is going to come along and tell them what to do and start giving them marching orders. But the hand of the diligent, they're going to be their own boss. They're going to rule. Between you and I, I don't want to be told what to do. I actually want to, I, I don't know, man, I don't know if anybody does, but I, I, I have an, an adverse reaction to that. So I want to be diligent enough that I have been, you know, calling my own shots if I can. Even if I have a superior or a, or a boss, I want to be so diligent that I'm calling my own shots. Well, and in, and in ministry, which the context we're kind of talking about, I know others will be listening. Sure. But, but ministry, most cases, people do order their own time. They, they get to schedule their day and how they want to do it. But if they don't seize that time, those dominant people will come in and take control. That's right. And, you know, I would say this to, to those who are given much, much is expected. And mm -hmm. there's often now you are a leader of other leaders. In other words, you're the executive pastor. You've got eight or 10 people who report directly to you now. I don't know whether these guys and gals are going to listen to this or not, and I'm not going to put you on the spot in any kind of awkward way, but how, like, when their time isn't being utilized, how does that make you feel? Because you're their boss. Well, it, it makes me feel like we're not doing well as a, as, as a church. The way I see it is, you know, I, I have a, I, we have lots of bosses. Mm -hmm. Obviously, our lead pastor is our boss. But every person sitting in that pew, we serve, and, and, we, and we get to uh, serve them because of their generosity. And right. so I don't waste their their generosity by wasting my time. How about or, this? Theirs. How about this? What would you say in terms of as you're looking around, and Brian Eno is looking around at his reports and looking around at the church? It's your job to ensure that efficiency and diligence is being applied. What are how can you kind of tell when it's not? 
What's that look like? Oh man, um, a lot of a, a lot of maybe maybe meetings that aren't necessary, longer meetings that aren't necessary, hallway chats that that turn into thirty minute conversations. <laughs> yeah. Phone calls that could have been fifteen minutes that turn into thirty minutes. So there's 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 a lot, you know. It just depends on the context. Of, of course, of course, and I would say that that there's another law, and I can't remember exactly what it is, but but I there's a law that says the amount of time that you dedicate towards something is the amount of time that that task will fill. So if I've given myself a seven minute window for a phone call. I'm probably going to make that a seven minute phone call. If I don't have any barrier for it, or if I have a 30 minute phone call, it's probably going to fill that. If I have an hour long meeting, the meeting's probably going to go an hour. If I set it at 30, we're going to make it in 30, right? So that's very, very interesting. Um, Yeah, I, I don't want people to tell me what to do. However, when I was a boss of people and I saw diligence, 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 and that guy looks like he's resting on a shovel. I had things that I wasn't able to get to that I handed to that person. So I never wanted to be the guy that other people saw as resting on a shovel because that is like a big red flag to go, hey, give me more work. No, don't want that. I don't want that. Hey, friends, I want to take a short hiatus from our podcast today and tell you that I wrote a book and I'd like you to have it. Now, listen, ministry is hard. You need a collection of tried and true ministry principles to encourage and inspire you to fight the good fight. Ministry Insights is a compilation of 52 golden nuggets of wisdom for leading your ministry well. This power pack book draws from over 20 years of ministry in the trenches. Ministry Insights provides you with both practical wisdom and timeless truths to fulfill your unique calling. Here's what I want you to do. Go to leadministry.com and you can find the book there under the tab resources. All right, gang, let's jump back into the podcast. Okay, number three, Gordon McDonald's Four Laws. Let's hear number three. He says, on team, on seas time surrenders to the demands of the emergencies. Tell us about that because this is a real passion area for me. Well, the way I see it and understand that law is, again, if you don't seize your time, you haven't ordered your day, then every emergency is going to grab your attention. And what I've discovered in, in life is that someone else's emergency doesn't necessarily need to be your emergency. Yes. And I would say that I've actually used that phrase uh, with other leaders, including as respectfully as I could, even my superiors, where I would say, hey, listen, it seems as if your poor planning is now becoming my emergency. Your poor mm-hmm. planning is becoming my emergency, and I'm not comfortable with that. Uh, and so if here's another one. There's a great author and leader, uh, and, and he, his name is Rory Vaden. Rory, R-O-R-Y, Vaden, V-A-D-E-N. And he, he's got a number of books. I would really encourage people to check him out. And, and he... He says that, you know, we all know what ROI means. We're, we're talking about money. We're talking about return on investment. You invest some money, you're going to want something back. Well, he instead of ROI, he calls it ROTI, return on time invested. 
And so he said, if you, if you put in in front load a whole bunch of time, then you're going to build a system that's going to be kicking you back out time dividends. And so that's a concept that I, I want to preemptively stop uh, chaos or emergencies by creating systems that solve problems ahead of me. Or I want to be so organized that when an emergency happens, I've got plenty of margin, right? Yeah. And I would say, Brian, that the thing that I have found in coaching leaders all across the country is the number one, and not, not only just coaching leaders, but going to different churches around the country, I've noticed that lack of organization is the single in my opinion, the single biggest pain point that people don't see, but is crushing them. And I, and I think that that's a time killer. Yeah. Well, give us number four, my man. Number four is on C's time gets invested in things that gain public acclamations. Okay. Say that. And again, I need to, I need to process that. On C's time gets invested in things that gain public acclamations. In other words, if you don't get your time, you're going to be looking for things that get the pat on the back all the time. Understood. You're, you're, this really applies to people who are people pleasers especially. Yes. So in other words, I heard this from a fella uh, not, not all, all too long ago. He said that we move toward the applause. We move toward the applause. And often it's the things that are not being applauded that are the things that we actually ought to be doing. Yeah, that's true. Some of those secret behind the, I mean, listen, I'm not going to get applauded for making a baptism spreadsheet where I put in the date of baptism and all the other tasks for baptism are automatically uh, 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 solved for me because I manically created a spreadsheet, right? Nobody's going to applaud that. But they're going to applaud when I'm present at a baptism service, right? And so that's very interesting. What, like, how have you seen that play out where unseized time is going to go toward the applause? How have you seen that play out? Well, I've seen where pe people, like you said, they run to where the applause is. So if they're people pleasers or they're looking for that public acclamation, they're going to tend to, to, to run to wherever they're going to be seen and neglect the things that are more important. That are, that are important, maybe more important, that need to be done in the on-scene world. Yeah. Much like described. Yes. The like interesting organizing and planning and maybe preparing your teaching if you're a teacher or, yep. or if you're a pastor and you have to prepare some craft and, 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 and instead you were busy doing things that got public acclamation, now on Sunday morning, Wednesday night, whatever day it is, you, uh, you're not ready. Yeah, I've seen that so many times. And I would say that Tell me what you think about this. In my opinion, 80% of the ministry is office work and 20% of the ministry is with people. That's when the, in other words, 20% is when the, when the body is gathered, maybe a Sunday morning or a Sunday e or Wednesday evening. And 80% is the body dispersed. Would you, what do you think about that? I think that's probably not, I think that's probably accurate. Um, I would just say it probably depends on your role too. It does. I mean, there's some roles that require you to be with people more. And there's some assignments and roles that you have that require you to be with people less. Yes. So I think the assignment probably plays into that too. But I do think that 
that it probably is leaned more towards um, office work versus people work um, in most cases. Yeah, and the funny thing is, is that when I succeed and excel at the office work, which by the way, is typically not applauded, I'm positioned super well to dominate at the percentage when I'm with people where the applause might be given. Does that make sense to you? It, it does. And I would just add, the more organized you are with your time, the more you order your time, um, you're going to have more time with people. So if you're a people person and you're like, I want to be with people, I'm an extrovert, I get my energy from being people, sure. get sit in an office. Well, if you order your time, you can get your office work done, those administrative things done behind the scenes, you'll have more time to be That's with That's exactly with right. Now, I got to say, uh, I had a guy who gave me some serious, serious pushback on the need to really do an Excel at the office work or the systems or the administrivia. By the way, I made that word up, but it's administration plus trivia, administrivia. And he was pushing back on the idea that that's that the ministry is about people. And I said, you know what? I couldn't agree more. It is about people. But if I am dropping balls with people, it can always be drawn back to my lack of organization and order behind the scenes. And so to do exceptional work behind the scenes, tease me up for the best people opportunities. And I, I think that ministry leaders fail at that. Go ahead. Well, and I would just say too, I think, I think we, we're, we're naive to say that when I'm doing work in my office, preparing a teaching, sure. uh, creating a system, that I'm not serving people. I am serving people. You sure are. Uh, so, so I, you know, I'm, I'm focused on one of the greats. You That's know, right. Talking, you know what I'm saying? Okay. So you're coming thing. back, you're coming back to making Jesus the Lord of our lives, which is if I am making the non applauded baptism spreadsheet, that's serving people because a dad out there is not going to feel stressed out. A single dad is not going to feel stressed out about getting his kid to the baptism and having the right clothes and having the, you know, the tank is going to be filled. I'm serving everybody because if, if those, if those baptism tasks don't happen, it's going to be a real debacle on a Sunday morning. And I don't want that. Yep. It's about serving yep. people. So it's putting on a different lens to say, how does this non-applaudable task serve people? And then I can get behind it is really what's happening. And if, and if talking in the context of baptism, if your church is like our church, when people are baptized, they come out of the water, the whole congregation's applauding. That's exactly right. So you right. are getting the applause. Yeah. And, and also another thing that I think about is there's typically a lot of guests. There's a lot of family members who may not have an affinity toward Christ or an affinity toward the church. And they've come out for this event. And, and I want to not only showcase excellence, that's fine, but also I want to be present and meet people. And, and if I'm running around with my, with my hair on fire because I've squandered my time during the week, that's a super uncomfortable feeling and it's not a good showing at all. Correct. Well, take us home here. How do we go right. about seizing every day? What were some super practical tips that you could give us? Well, this is my favorite part. So okay. um, this is good stuff. My friend, Bill Wilson, and you kind of said this earlier. He was, he was, he was the man I've served at, the, at our network. Uh, he said, time is like money. It okay. needs to be managed if it's going to be leveraged. And you kind of talked about that at the beginning. 
And I, yeah. I think if we lack money, if we if we have a shortage of money, we budget our money. We'll, yes. we'll track of it. So it's the same thing with our time. If we feel like we don't have enough time to do all the things we need to do, then we need to budget our time. We need to take – the first step is to take a budget, an inventory of your 160 hours. That's right. It's just that simple. Keep track of what you do the next week. For the next 160 hours, keep track of it. If you were doing your budget, you kept track of every penny you spent. Keep track of every hour that you spent. That's exactly and right. You're, you're quite yourself this question. Are you happy with how you spent the 168 hours? Does it fit, you know, uh, the, the way the owner would want you to, the great, the two greats? Yes. And, 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 and look at it through those lens of how you spent your time. And if you're not, then then create a killer calendar. Um, I don't know if you ever heard that phrase. I've, I don't not, know that I've not heard that phrase. You call it a killer calendar? A killer calendar. Yeah. Okay, tell us about that. Killer calendar is simply an ideal week. Imagine your ideal week in your world. Like how I would, ex- if I could just have the ideal week, no interruptions, I could plan it exactly how I'd spend that 168 hours, what would you do with it? And put it on a piece of paper. You know, get a, get a week calendar and write exactly how you would spend that time. And the way I kind of tell people to do it is start big. And then shrink down from there. Maybe start with a thirty thousand foot level view, right? Of, and, and then and then drop it down. So for me, a thirty thousand foot level view is is a one year you know wall calendar. And the funny thing is, just yesterday, I put my wall calendar up for twenty twenty three in my office. Nice. I had a camera, I'd flip it and show you. And I told someone after I wrote it down, um, I feel like I need a vacation already, and it hasn't started yet. But the interesting but I, thing is, once you have that laid out, you see where you do and don't have gaps or margin you're exactly right you can see where you need to take some vacation you can see where you where you can plan a sermon series you can see where you're going to take a retreat with your staff whatever the case is so you start with your wall calendar that thirty thousand foot view and then drop it down to a ten thousand foot view i say which is your weekly calendar that right. that you design that killer calendar um based off that big picture that you had well, and I, I, I want to say one uh, quick. I want to say one quick thing at this. You know, um, as I look at my a, a week, let's say, and I know for sure that I have to get this done, this done, and that done, and I look at my week. If I don't have a week planned out, and I don't have the bigger rocks that this is a for sure has to, this is a for sure has to, then all of a sudden my extra things that I need to get done, I don't know where to fit them in. But if I have at least a, at a glance that I see some blocked off times that I've already predetermined, then I am forced to say, I have to Wednesday at two o'clock, I have to start accomplishing this one thing because I don't have any margin anywhere else. And yeah. so, you know, they, as they always say, right, um, do you want something done? Give it to a busy person. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, and you, and that's, a, that's a great way to look at it. I heard you say two things that I, that I would include in my killer calendar. One is time blocking, is block off periods of time, times that you're going to do, do teaching and sermon preparation, times that you're going to meet with people in the office, Yes. Um, well, on your staff, times you're going to work on project management, event planning, whatever the case is, and, and put those on your calendar. But also include those really important big rocks, using that phrase, those non-negotiable. Yes. Things like your present time. So if you looked at my killer calendar, you'd see my, my time I'm going to have with the Lord every day. You'd see exercise time. You'd see family time. You'd see ministry time. You'd see, uh, 
you know, church time, fun time, rest time, all those things I include because I want to account for all 168 hours wow. in my killer. Yeah. That's good. Anything else that you could leave us with? Yeah, just a couple other things. Uh, and then once you design that killer calendar, live by it. Learn to live by a well-planned day, a, a well-planned week and a well-planned day. I don't know. I'm sure you probably heard of Kerry Newoff. Yes, I have. Uh, Kerry Newoff wrote a book. I think it's one of the more recent ones called At Your Best. Yes. And he about some of this stuff in there. Uh, but one thing I really took away from his book that I loved is he talked about not only uh, organizing your time by priority, but organizing your, your killer calendar or your time or your ideal week, whatever term you want to use, by your energy levels. Yeah, I've really, heard him. I've heard him speak about this. Okay, unpack that a little bit. Well, he just talks about he uses the, the he uses the idea of a green, a yellow, and a red line, um, where green is your high energy time. So, in your high energy time, when you're the way I understood it is when you plan your killer calendar, um, where you have the highest energy. For me, it's the first thing in the morning. Sure. Uh, plan the highest value tasks there, the things that are that have the highest value that they're gonna have the biggest dividends things that I'm gifted at, things that I'm passionate at, do those in that energy time. And he, I think he says in his book that most people have about three to four hours a day of, of, of top energy. Yes, and in, in, his, in his book actually has a red, a yellow, and a green dial on it. It does, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I remember now. And I would say that that you have to be careful when when you know that you're in your red or danger zone what, like if you're going to try to do something of great value, it's probably not going to work out as well. So I think understanding your own self and your rhythms is important. Good one. Yeah, exactly. And so, so, so when I read that book, I, I've lived by a killer calendar for years. Yes. It was easy for me to go, okay, this is really good. I'm going to take that principle and apply it into my, into my killer calendar. So, so for instance, if you look at my killer calendar, every Wednesday, Every Monday morning and every Wednesday morning for about three hours, I have a blocked off and it says study time. Okay. Everyone on my staff knows that those three hours that, on those two days, so six hours a week, my door is shut and, because that's my high energy. I am preparing whatever my next teaching is going to be, my next leadership teaching, my next sermon for the church, whatever it is in that hour. I may not know what it's going to be every week, but I know that there's going to be something and that's what I'm going to work on that's in that good. time. That's good. There'll also blocked out times that I'm going to, have staff meetings so they know where 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 if I'm going to have one on ones with them where they're going to fit. Yes, they they where I'm going to work on project management and those are all based. I started basing those on my energy levels: moderate energy level, moderate value tasks; low energy level, low valuable tasks; value tasks, emails, social media. Because the reality we talked about social media at the beginning, but that's become a part of ministry. It is. It, you you have to attend to it. You just do. So, so I do it in my low energy and, and the time that I have low energy and I block out times to do it so I don't scroll for five hours wasting wasting my time. So this, the only that, other thing I would yeah, that's gosh, a good principle. Yeah, give us give us the last one. The last one and then we can go wherever you want is uh, know when to say yes and know when to say no. When you're creating that killer calendar, you have to know when to say yes and what and when to say no. And that goes back to that those two lenses. You yeah. say yes to yes. the and everything else comes second place to the greats. So, yes. Uh, so, and I would say that 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 a an a, a really wonderful yes will automatically say no to the next one thousand 
mediocre things, right? So if I have a really hardcore yes, I've predetermined a whole bunch of no's. And I got to say, man, I have a bias towards no. Now, I'm a yes guy, man. I'm a yes face and all of it. But I've had to learn that, well, I'll put it this way. And I think that you would probably affirm this. Anybody who's had any level of success in their life, other people are wanting to wanting to have some of that success. And so if you're not careful, other people are going to be glomming on to you and you have to learn to say no based on what your calling is and those two greats. Well, exactly. Once you create the killer calendar and you share it with your staff, as which what I do, so they all know what my what my killer calendar looks like. Yes. That that says no in itself. Because they already know that I'm not going to meet with them Monday morning because I've already got an appointment that time. I'm studying. Yes. Yes. In other words, okay. you're gonna you're you're preemptively stopping uh, uh, the abuse of walk-ins. Those demanding people that I think it's the second law of McDonald. Yes. That the demanding people will order your day for you if you don't seize it. Yes. So now all of a sudden those walk-ins, you know, that it's they, they're scheduled times for walk-ins. If you can say That's that. That's it, Brian. This is good stuff. And I, I if I have a takeaway, it's going to be looking at my life and my energy levels and rethinking some of those things. Um, this has been good, Brian. I'm so grateful that we got to reconnect. Um, yes. Thank you for being on the podcast, my friend. Thank you, Josh, for inviting me. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Absolutely. Well, gang, thank you guys so much. This has been yet another episode of the Lead Volunteers Podcast. And I think that you should take a look at your 168 hours as well. Gang, thank you guys so much, and we'll catch you on the next one. Well, that wraps up today's podcast. Before we close, would you do us a favor? We need your help to get the word out about the Lead Volunteers Podcast. Three simple steps. First, subscribe. Second, leave a comment. And third, share the link to this episode on social media. Thanks again, and keep leading your volunteers.